Hello, everyone. Thank you for joining us in today's Ascend Canada podcast. One of the great liabilities of history is that all too many people fail to remain awake through great periods of social change. Today, our very survival depends on our ability to stay awake, to adjust to new ideas, to remain vigilant, and to face the challenges of change. Social change, led by young people, is not all about young people. Instead, youth are working for their communities, their families, their cities, and most importantly, their world. I'm Sufyan Sheikh, and today I'm joined by one such visionary who is leading social change to make the world a better place for us today and for our future tomorrow. Fahad is the founder of Shift, a nonprofit that converts animal waste into reliable, inexpensive energy in developing countries. Fahad's day job is on Bay Street as an equity research analyst at Credit Suisse, where he covers material stocks. Fahad, thank you so much for joining us on today's podcast. Well, thank you very much for having me. Ascend has been very helpful in my personal career uh, and development. I was actually remembering earlier today when I, you know, years ago, I attended the Ascend conference in the U.S. In 2013, I was involved at Ascend in, in Toronto and I was selected to go to the U.S. conference. And I used to work at EY at the time. And they were kind enough to you know, pay for my trip and pay for my, my travel and my hotel. And so I went to the Ascend conference. It was in Washington. And it was at this really, really nice hotel, the Hilton, which some people will know is the, is the hotel where they host the White House Correspondents Dinner, which is just a really entertaining event. But in any case, that's, that's where they hosted it. And I was just this young person, you know, bright-eyed, bushy-tailed, and I was really impressed by just traveling, right, let alone going to a conference. So I get to the conference, I meet all these interesting people, and it was just one of those things I was remembering today. At a very early age in my career, or early stage in my career, I met these very interesting, successful Pan-Asian leaders, and I think it's important for people to see others like them who are in positions of leadership and success, because then it motivates you that and it encourages you to think that that's possible. So, sorry, that was a long-winded introduction, but I was just I was remembering that conference very fondly today, and I'm very happy to be here. No, not at all. I'm glad that you had the experience of meeting some Ascend leaders and hopefully getting motivated to to be a leader yourself. So, so that is uh, that is great to learn. So, Fahad, let me ask you this first and foremost: in a day and age of TikTok and Instagram, we are seeing a rise in a lot of young people. Influencers like Greta Thunberg, Malala Yousafzai. Why do you think these young people are so focused and so interested in social change? One of the reasons why you're seeing it to answer your question is we're exposed to some of the challenges that people are facing. And I don't think that that level of visualization used to exist before. And the second thing I would say is I think we are at a point now where some of these global issues have just gotten to an inflection point. Whereas you know, we've always had income inequality, we've always had racial discrimination, we've always had, you know, some element of climate change. All of those issues seem to be bubbling and getting to a point now where if we don't do something, this is this is going to be, you know, catastrophic. And I, so I think it's kind of those two reasons. One, we're seeing things a lot more because of social media and the internet, the challenges that the world is facing. And number two, I think we're just at an inflection point when it comes to the underlying problems that are facing the world. It's not that we're at the in the early stages of these problems. These are some mature, significant global problems. 
And I think it's just pushing a lot of people to think, okay, well, if I don't make a difference or if I don't contribute or at least become part of the solution, we might get to a point where we can't go back. Yeah, I couldn't, I couldn't agree more. You know, while you're describing all this stuff, all I can think of is this episode on Patriot Act with Hassan Minaj talking about we have access to so many problems in the world because of our phones, because of our social media. And, you know, it could affect our mental health because, you know, we want to care about everything, but we can't realistically because there's so many things going on in the world. So we need to prioritize what problems we should focus on and stick with them and not really, you know, intake all this like negative news that we're getting constantly and, and sort of like prioritize in, in that sequence. So, yeah, I couldn't agree more. I think you've, you've said it really well. I'm a I'm a huge Patriot Act fan. I was very sad when they Netflix canceled it, but I I remember ex, I remember exactly the episode you're talking about where he talks about this idea of like our our mind is like an internet browser and we just have so many tabs open and each tab is like a different problem. And and he's absolutely right. J- just I think uh, you know, this is a a more philosophical topic, but I think one of the issues that is facing us our generation is this idea of information overload. And that's information that's both helpful and then information that can be paralyzing. So to your point and to what he was saying is sometimes we're exposed to so many problems and we just don't know what to do. You know, like there's so many issues to deal with. Uh, How do we make sense of it? How do we figure out what to do? Do we feel helpless because there's just so many things happening? But but I, I totally agree with what you're saying. Sometimes it just comes down to you have to figure out where you can make a difference. And, you know, look, not every person is going to try to save the world and solve every problem. It's impossible. Uh, Myself included, you know, what the work I'm doing with Shift is solving a very, very specific problem, energy insecurity and climate change. But there's a million other problems out there. There's income inequality, there's discrimination, there, there's, you know, safety and terrorism and human rights violations. There, there's just lots and lots of problems. Uh, so I do think it's important for people to maybe not get too overwhelmed, maybe stop watching the news so much and really try to think about the issues that matter to them. And, it, you know, everyone has certain things that matter a lot to them. For some people, they they think a lot about women's education. For other people, they care a lot about climate change. And if there's something that resonates with you and you can also apply your skill set to it, that's probably the thing you should focus on if you are trying to uh, have some social impact. Speaking about social change, you know, I would love to hear how the idea of Shift came about and what are some of the things that Shift has been pioneering in, in today's uh, day and age? Yeah. So in the introduction, you mentioned uh, Shift uh, turns animal waste into energy. And that that's basically the gist of what we do. You said it in a very polite and formal way, but the, the reality is we turn poo into power. <laughs> so so that's, the way, that's the way we describe it to everyone. And uh, that's the gist of the idea. Uh, in terms of how it came about, uh, I always joke with you know people who ask me that. I say, you know, one day I was in the washroom. No, I'm just kidding. That's that's not what happened. <laughs> Listen, that's that's the innovation center. You know, like that's where that's where people innovate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was just sitting there thinking, you know, there's something here. Uh, no, no, that that's not what happened. What really happened was I was in business school a few years ago, four years ago actually. And we were uh, we were part of a business. Co- I, I created a team to compete in a business competition. Uh, some listeners might be aware of this competition. It's called the Hult Prize, H-U-L-T. And it's a very large social enterprise competition. I had heard about it. Uh, the winning idea receives a million dollars of seed funding. So, so in any case, I, I put this team together uh, and I was researching ideas. 
and I was uh, looking throughout, you know, just searching up kind of unconventional different ideas. The one thing I had in my mind, I didn't have a really specific solution that I was trying to develop, but the one thing I had in mind and something that really appealed to me is that I like the idea of reusing inputs that are already in our system. Uh, so, uh, you know, this idea of introducing a new a new input didn't seem very appealing to me. I like this idea of recycling, but recycling something different. Uh, so that was always kind of in the back of my head. And then I, uh, I came across this, I don't know how I found this, but I came across this paper by the United Nations where they said, and the title of the report was The Energy Potential of Human Waste. And so when I read the title, I was like, okay, well, <laughs> let me just make sure the source is correct. This is actually United Nations and not, you know, some crazy blog. And, uh, it, and it was in fact the United Nations. So I kept reading the report and I, I couldn't stop thinking about how crazy and interesting that was. And, you know, one of the things that kind of struck me was how come I've never heard of something like this before? We've heard about like wind energy and solar energy and, you know, uh, uh, but how have we not heard about turning waste into energy? That seems unbelievable. So, so, so I, it really, really is one of those things, like one of those moments where it really stuck with me and I couldn't stop thinking about it. And I, I knew that that was, you know, a winning idea. I, I just, I knew that, that there was something there and that the world needed to know about this. So uh, uh, fast forward a little bit, we actually competed in the Hulk Prize in London, England. We competed with this particular idea. We actually made it to the finals, which was amazing because there were so many teams there. Uh, and so we're presenting at the finals and unfortunately another team kind of uh you know they won and we didn't we didn't end up winning which which i guess also goes to tell, tell you know goes to the point that not everything goes smoothly or the way you expect it to and not everything is a kind of fairy tale type situation things do go wrong there are bumps there are bumps on the road i would have loved to have you know it would have been an easier story for me to tell like yep we competed we won we won the million dollars and you know here we are today that's not what happened we we lost, but I, I, I really believed in the idea. And, you know, one of the things that's important is uh, failure is now we, we really, uh, in our society, we, we kind of praise failure because it's important. But failure is only helpful if you learn from it. If you just keep failing, but you're not actually learning anything, it's just, it's a downward, it's a downward spiral. So, you know, we, we failed in that competition, according to our standards because we didn't win the prize, but we got feedback from the judges. They gave us feedback about, you know, how to refine the idea some more. And I really took that to heart. So I, I you know, I made sure I remembered, I, I made a note of, you know, the ways in which we could improve the idea. And, and then fast forward, we graduated uh, from the MBA program and uh, everyone started, everyone on my team started their job. A, a few months later, I, I really kept thinking about the idea and I thought, you know, there's some potential here I would really regret it if I didn't actually give this a shot. And so there were a number of other circumstances, I, you know, I, and we can get into that in terms of what really motivated me to want to have impact and have, do something that really helped other people. So anyway, so we, 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 I pivoted the idea from human waste to animal waste because it just seemed more palatable in many parts of the world. Uh, you'd be surprised to know that in many countries, people are very comfortable handling animal waste but they're not so comfortable handling human waste. There's just like a cultural, and, and you, you know, you and I may, I'll give you an example. Like if you, if you walk around Toronto, uh, you, very often you'll see people who walk their dog, they're very comfortable picking up the waste. But if in some weird circumstance that was human waste, that would be like absolutely not. So it's just, it's, a, it's, it's like a global phenomenon that way. Um, so in any case, we pivoted to animal waste. 
uh, we launched the project in Pakistan, which uh, my family hails from Pakistan originally. And so we launched a project in Pakistan. Uh, there were none, I'm, I'm, I'm oversimplifying this process. There were a number of steps in between in terms of building a team and getting an advisory board and actually finding contractors and funding and so on. But that's the gist of how the idea came about. And since then, we've been expanding to all, all, all different parts of the world where this solution makes sense. And uh, just to summarize, it makes sense in basically any environment in which people don't have access to clean energy, meaning they're using firewood, uh, believe it or not, to uh, get heat and to cook their meals. And, and number two, areas in which there are farming communities. So they have livestock that we can use the waste from. And that, that's the gist of where we, where we work. So there has to be a need and there has to be an ability to actually produce uh, the biogas. But what I'm trying to do and what Shift is trying to do is really bring this to the world. I think it's something that uh, many people don't know about and certainly don't know the immense, immense potential this has. I commend you, Fahad, for taking the risk that you did with Shift and, and not, you're now helping basically communities get clean, renewable energy and, and, and electricity. So that is something really incredible. So congratulations again on that. You, you touched a little bit on, you know, the challenges that you faced uh, while starting Shift. And, you know, of course, you mentioned that, you know, failing is so important in life. Talk to me a little bit about the barriers that you had to overcome to bring Shift to life. I'm guessing you had to convince a lot of people to, to be on board this idea. Yeah, so <laughs> I paused because I was thinking, I was like, well, I wonder what failure he wants me to talk about. There's so many. <laughs> There's so many challenges. If you talk to any any person who started anything, whether it's a nonprofit like Shift or uh, an entrepreneur who started a for-profit business, it, there's so many challenges. So just off the top of my head, like I, I kept my day job. So time, time was a big constraint and a big hurdle. How do I manage my time? I obviously, you know, I couldn't sacrifice my work performance. So that was, uh, you know, that was a bit of a hurdle. Also just the how crazy the idea sounds was also a hurdle. Like it, it's a, it's, it's, it's like a double-edged sword. Like it was, it was cool and it got people's attention, but it was also crazy that people were thinking, are you sure you can do this? Uh, so that was a, that was a hurdle. Talk, talk to me a little bit about, uh, you know, people's reaction when they heard the idea for the first time. I'm sure you must have gotten some, some expressions from people. <laughs> well, yeah. So, <laughs> so I think a lot of people, their initial reaction was they would, uh, the first, a lot of people like would, they would just try to come up with a joke right away. So, you know, for example, actually, I don't even know if I can say this. Anyways, there were, there were a lot of jokes that people made about, about turning poo into power. And um, so, you know, a lot of people like kind of joked about it. But, you know, I will say most people were very intrigued. I think that was probably the most common reaction. Like, are you like, what do you mean? What do you mean? Like animal waste, like, like, like poop. And I was like, yeah, like poop, you can turn, you can turn poop into energy. And, there, and then the next question would be like, but how? And, and, and then the third question would be, and why is no one else doing this? And that's the one where when you hear that, uh, whether it's a for-profit business or a non-profit, when somebody says, why, why is no one else doing this? That, that, to, that should tell you that there's something there. So, I mean, you know, I, I don't want to make it seem like Shift is the only organization in the world doing this. There's obviously for-profit businesses that are doing something like this and non-profits that are doing something like this. But I think our differentiating factor is that we're really trying to scale this globally. And to my knowledge, I think we're the only nonprofit to do this, uh, you know, in, in multiple countries and in fact, multiple continents. 
And, and, you know, we're focused exclusively on turning the animal waste into energy. There's some other nonprofits that do similar work, but it's more on the sanitation side with human waste and things like that. The initial reaction, I would say people, you know, they joked around, but then there was a lot of, there was a lot of curiosity around it uh, because it's not something that you hear very often, right? Imagine you're at a dinner party and someone's asking you, so what else are you up to? And then you say, well, I'm working on a nonprofit that turns poo into power. You know, they're not really just going to be like, oh yeah, I've heard about that before. It's, it's going to be like, wait, what? What are you talking about? <laughs> so that, so that was, it was kind of nice and uh, it was, it was cool to get that kind of reaction. So that was, yeah, that was, that was a nice kind of, uh, you know, reaction for most people. And then, uh, you know, one of the elements also is there's a difference when you tell like your friends about the idea or your contacts about the idea or people you went to school with about the idea. And I find, especially coming from a bit of a, you know, an, well, as an, as an immigrant coming from that background, I find it's a different reaction when you tell your family about something like this. And uh, so that, that was also interesting because, of course, my family was very supportive and they continue to be to this day. But it's just a different reaction. And it's, I think it's, very, it's probably a very common reaction for most people who have, who are, whose parents are immigrants or they themselves are immigrants to have a sort of different reaction anytime you, basically anytime you try to do something outside of work, I would say. It's like, why, you know, why, why not just focus on your career? Like that's a very common kind of sentiment. I know it's important. Uh, I kept my day job, right? And I continue to have a day job and I continue to do shift uh, in my quote unquote spare time. How, and how do you do that? How, how do you find time to, to be basically managing a, a whole new company and then still having your day job? How do you manage both these companies? I'm sure it must be really tough. Talk to me a little bit about that. Yeah, really good question. And, and I get asked that a lot, uh, like time management and how do I keep a day job and run a nonprofit? I mean, look, I think the honest answer is you, you have to put in the upfront time when you're establishing something. So in the beginning, I spent a lot more time creating shift and then even from an administrative perspective, creating a nonprofit, uh, building out the team, finding an advisory board, all of those things took a lot of time. I, I would very frequently have calls with donors at like really late, late into the evening. Sometimes I would be talking to, because we have projects in different parts of the world in different time zones, I'd be having conversations very early in the morning sometimes. So like it was just, it was really uh, a lot of time invested in the beginning. Uh, but I was very conscious of the fact that if I put in the time in the beginning, hopefully, if I built out a team that going forward, it would be more sustainable. And I was fortunate that we have an excellent, excellent team. And I think I probably use the pronoun I way too much in this podcast, in this in this conversation. I I certainly don't make I don't want it, anyone to think that I'm the only person working at Shift. There we have an amazing, amazing team that uh, does a lot of the legwork, and so. Uh, to answer your question, look, I rely a lot on my team. Uh, it's not that, you know, I'm working 24-7. That's not a sustainable strategy. And, uh, you know, I, I, look, the, the one thing I always tell people, a quote that I like is, if you want to go fast, go alone. But if you want to go far, go with the team. And, you know, we have high, high aspirations for shift. We want it to go far. Uh, so I have a team. I rely on them a lot. And other than that, I mean, look, the honest answer is I've cut out other things in my life. And that's not for everybody, but uh, what I'll tell you is if you're, if you're passionate about something, if you care about something, without you even realizing it, other things will start falling away. Um, and, 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 and that's not to say other, there's some things that shouldn't fall away. You should keep, you know, you should make sure you still have conversations with your friends and, you know, have t like social time and spend time with your family. All of that shouldn't go away. But there are other things that naturally start falling away. 
you know, uh, whether it's, you know, you know, spending time on the internet or, you know, watching TV or whatever, some of those things just naturally start fading away because you're so passionate about what you're doing. Um, so I would say that that's kind of it. I don't have any magical tips for anybody. What I've realized, though, is any crazy, super time consuming thing is not a sustainable strategy. If you think working 24 seven is is the only way to have an impact, you're 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 very mistaken. Uh, you <laughs> I get a full eight hours of sleep every night. Um, you know, and I think it's very important for people to have a long-term view. It do, it won't help anybody in the long term, and you won't have any impact long term if you burn out in a month or two or in, in a year. I'm in this for the long haul. I, my team at Shift is in this for the long haul, and I think we, you know we're all trying to do this in a very sustainable way. And part of that is use each other's expertise, leverage the team. And then also you see, you see if you're passionate about something, other things, other parts of your life and other distractions uh, start falling away a little bit. Wow, that's, that's very beautifully said, Fahad. And, uh, you know, thank you so much for sharing your experience. Um, I wanted to actually go back in our conversation and talk about describing shifts to, uh, to your friends and family members. You know, I'm sure that that would be very interesting. And, and you give me some really interesting examples. You know, if I were to talk to you about describing shift, how would you describe that? We're creating a dome, we're putting in waste, and we're extracting energy from it. And then we're using that energy to help other people. So I would probably describe it some way like that. Um, One thing I'll say is, I actually have a friend, uh, she's an elementary school teacher. And I think she showed this to, I don't know how old the class is, but I think she showed it to like a grade one or grade two class. uh, And she's been doing this for a number of years now. She showed them a video uh, that we have on YouTube uh, for what Shift does. Uh, it's It's a little mini documentary that we put together for our projects in Pakistan. And she shows it every year to her new class and basically talks about social change. And look, I have a friend who's doing something that's really interesting. And she always tells me, she said, you know, like these these kids love it and they think it's so, so interesting. Um, and, you know, they get it. You know, it's not a super complicated idea. Uh, they, they understand it and they find it very, very interesting, just like adults find it really interesting. I, I like your question a lot because I think a lot of entrepreneurs, they don't really think about how to explain their idea in a simple way. I find that you should be able to explain your idea in a simple way, um, just because I think if you can't, if you can explain something in a simple way, that means you also understand it fully. And it also means it can appeal to a broad audience. So I think that's, that's an important. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, you know, talking about kids, you know, do you think kids should learn about social impact in schools, you know, considering, you know, a lot of the uh, elementary schools have started to include coding as uh, as a as a primary language in in like I think like third, fourth, fifth grade. So, do you think like social impact should be a part of schools to to like, make kids aware of you know what's going on around the world, or you know should that be left for them to be discovered by themselves? Uh, I, well, absolutely, I think it should be something that is explicitly taught in schools. So, obviously, the idea of the social contract and common values and good behavior and being courteous, those things are taught in school regardless. But the explicit idea of really pointing, making students recognize how fortunate they are, and I'm talking in the context of Canadian students or North American students, you know, to recognize how fortunate they are on, from a global perspective and how how much they owe it really to help other people who are not as fortunate. And one exercise I did years ago, someone, you know, I went to an event and somebody did this, they they basically lined up everybody on in the middle of the room 
And they said, take one step forward if you had breakfast every day. Take one step forward if you if your parents paid for part of your tuition. Take one step forward if you lived in a house or, yeah, if you lived in a house and so on and so on. And they kept naming all these different characteristics. And at the end, they just stopped and they said, now look at like how far you are in terms of, and they had, they had like a reference point for this is where like the world is. And then they showed how far ahead we were in terms of our advantages. And we, you know, a lot of people don't realize how, how many advantages we have from a global perspective. We, without question, everyone living in North America and even anyone listening to this podcast is like the top 0.1% of the world in terms of wealth and safety and health and all of those important factors. So should this be taught in school? Absolutely. But it needs to be taught in a, uh, you know, in a, in, a, in a way that's rooted in helping other people and understanding that we're very fortunate and that not everyone in the world is fortunate. And it has to be rooted in that kind of empathetic approach. The other way, I think it, it needs to be pragmatic, right? I, I don't think that you can just tell students, okay, everybody needs to like be the next Gandhi and you know that, that's the only way you can make the world a better place. I think it needs to be balanced. I think you need to teach students that everybody has a skill set. Uh, everybody has something they're very good at. And they should, do, they should start with little projects that you know, allow them to use that skill set. Maybe they're really good at designing a website. Uh, to t- you know, to, you're talking about coding. Maybe they're really good at something like that. So maybe there's an app idea or something small that they could do, even on a small community scale. You know, I'm talking a lot about helping people in developing countries, but of course there's still a lot of needs in Canada too. So maybe there's something they could do at a local level. Yeah, so I, I definitely think it should be taught. I think it should be taught from a from a point of empathy and helping other people. And I certainly think it should be based on uh, the skill set that each each student has. Uh, you can't you can't do everything, uh, and so you have to focus on the things you're good at, and then try to align that with what the world needs and what what people need. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And and I really like the fact that you emphasize that you know how blessed we are to to be in Canada, to be in a developed country, but. Uh, you know, as an entrepreneur who's doing, you know, something so special regarding social change, uh, I think I wanted to ask this question to you from the get-go. How do we living in first world countries prioritize the basic human needs of underdeveloped nations? There's different degrees of contribution, right? Sometimes it's as easy as you sign a petition, right? That's, that's something. Sometimes you can even share something that you think is valuable or helpful or something that other people should know about. Um, and then, of course, there's more degrees of uh, involvement. You can actually try to find out how you can join that organization or help or start something if it doesn't already exist. Um, but I, I do think it starts with the mindset. And a lot of people, you know, whether it's in our education system or otherwise, they, they need to really start reconnecting with this idea of empathy. Human beings are generally, you know, we're, we're empathetic. We care about other people. But I do think that sometimes... Honestly, we get desensitized to some of this stuff because we just see it so often. So taking a moment, thinking about what you're looking at, being conscious about it and trying to think about if you were the person who's in that picture or video, what that must be like. And that exercise of trying to put yourself in their position, I think, can be really eye opening sometimes. And, you know, the reality is uh, sometimes seeing it on a screen is very different than seeing it in person. And I'll give you a story. So Years ago, when I started Shift, and we fundraised for our first few projects, I actually flew to Pakistan, went to the the villages where we were going to build these uh, these these energy domes, and you know it's, it's not something I've shared with a lot of people. But when I went there, it was 
it was it was really really eye opening like it was very sad to see the condition in which a lot of people live in the 21st century like i i can't even describe to the uh the listeners how how sad it was like you know I'll, I'll, just to give a small example for example you see a child that was only wearing uh you know like the bottom half of their clothing so they weren't wearing a shirt for example and i asked them uh in urdu i said you know why why isn't he wearing a shirt it's like really hot outside and they said you know like that that's all the family can afford and just something like that is so heartbreaking and and i get it not everyone can see that right you can't not everyone can fly to these places and see that but what i am saying is just try to be more conscious about what you're looking at and try to think about the person that you're looking at than the video or the picture or the article try to think about whether what if that were you right like you and i did nothing special to end up here in in this circumstance you know it, it was nothing that we did we didn't decide to come here we didn't we didn't decide to be born here we didn't decide what our parents you know did or didn't do we were given some of we were given all of these things and i think it's really important for people to be very conscious of that and then that's that's the first step and then the rest of it is more pragmatic you have to look at your skill set you have to see what you're good at uh where you can contribute and you have to be uh you have to be practical you know you might be in a phase in your life where you are really focused on your career or you really are focused on your family or you you're dealing with someone who is not well or you're trying to raise a family like the, everyone's in a different stage so it's also not fair to say everyone should be doing something to change the world it, not everyone has to be doing it right now you have to do it at a time where it makes sense for you and where you can actually have a meaningful impact because again if you do it at a time where you know you're juggling everything in life and it you you won't be able to give it your all you'll burn out and you know you'll let down other people in your life that depend on you so i think you also have to be honest about where you are in your life and if there is a cause that you care about it's 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 totally fine to park it and to say you know what i i i care about this and i think it's important for now i'll sign a petition for I'll, for now i'll make a donation but i i won't be able to volunteer or join the organization or start an organization for another few years because I'm raising a family or whatever. You know, everyone has different circumstances, but I think you have to just be honest about where you are in life and uh and, and take it from there. Absolutely, Fahad. Thank you so much for taking the time out today and talking to us and our listeners and and dropping some really really interesting gems. It's been a pleasure to speak with you. Thank you very much and to anyone listening, I'm always happy to help in any way that I can. Everyone uh who, you know, please feel free to add me on LinkedIn and if there's any way I can help or anyone that I know that you might want to be connected to, uh, I'm always happy to help. Thank you everyone for tuning in to yet another Ascend Canada podcast. This is your host Sofia and Sheikh signing off. Stay safe and stay blessed.